thanks for your help, by the way. Ah, my pleasure. So, yeah, I, I, um, I thought about asking your permission to go into detail about a lot of stuff, but I figured I feel compelled to do it, so I'll just do it. And if you don't like it, you just won't talk to me about it. <laughs> That's, that works. Are you talking about just you mean through the messages? Oh, yeah, that's what I was talking about. But you're talking about the bio. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. It's all good. All of it. I, I appreciate all of it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I already mentioned to, uh, to Laura that two other... Oh, I told you. It's two people now that had the exact same experience with the geometric shapes. Yeah. I don't even know them these people. This, hey, you know, do you like know what, Phoenix, followers. can we start the, when we start the room at, at 5.30, can we start with that? Uh, uh, you share, you share the story, and then I can do some explaining about it if you want. Okay. Or if you just want to share yeah. the story, because I think that's part of, um, the awakening and psychic abilities is starting to be aware and then when you share you're going to see the synchronicity with other people and you're going to see that you're having the same experience at the same time and well actually I don't want to talk about too much because uh, that's what I want to open the whole room with yeah sure and and, I, and it is it's I get so I get nervous, so it is better for me to say something in the beginning. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Because then I don't have to wait. My uh, wait for my turn, it, it gets harder. Yeah. Because it, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. If we get you talking right away, then you're part of it, and it's not a waiting feeling anymore. Exactly. Awesome. I like that. Okay. And it's funny because I don't always, I don't really know what is considered psychic experiences. So there's that too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I invited Christine to talk, but uh, I don't know why. I've done it twice, three times now. Christine? Oh, there she is. Yeah, thanks. I didn't see it until you said that. I think I was looking away. Yeah, no problem. It's all good. I just pulled up TikTok and I see Phoenix. What is your secret to glowing skin? Do <laughs> <laughs> you hear me? That was uh, somebody asked me that question on TikTok. What is your secret to glowing skin? I was like, um, is this a real question? Because, um, it's like occasionally a bar of ivory soap. Literally. Well, maybe that's the secret. That you, well, it's that you only do it occasionally. Exactly. Can't be too, can't be too clean, y'all. Right? <laughs> yeah. My answer used to be: people have always asked me that. How do you? Why do you? How How do you look so young for your age? And and the glowing skin thing. And back in the day, it was, well, I drink the good beers and smoke the good cigarettes. <laughs> but I don't say day. that anymore. It's not true anymore. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay, I'm going live on TikTok now, and then I'll start the room uh, in a couple of minutes. I'm guessing... Y'all hear me pretty good? Because I'm outside. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Here's how I would like to host this one. Hello, everyone. People are joining me in TikTok. 
Um, the way that I would like to host this is for this to be more conversational. I know we said we were going to work with a moderator, but how about if we make it so that when you want to talk, you, um, um, whenever you want to talk, you flash your microphone. Does that sound good? Okay. Cool. Okay, I'm getting TikTok followers. I'm going to go talk to them real quick, and I'll be back. Okay. So, Christine, tell us a little bit about yourself while we wait for Laura to come back. Okay. That, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Um, this is my yep, first time I using this. Okay, cool. Um, well, what's really funny is that I'm literally trying to figure out why my face is breaking out, and I'm 54. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's maybe the onset of menopause. But, um, um, yeah, my, I'm 54. I'm a graduate student in occupational therapy, and I went back to school a few, well, nine years ago. And um, I've been a member of Ekinkar my whole life, like since I was a kid. So I don't know if any of you know what Ekinkar is. It's a, kind of a new age religion, um, and it's more Eastern in belief, like reincarnation, karma. But the whole basis of it is that God is love. And um, every day I sing Hugh. Well, okay, ideally, every day I sing Hugh for 20 minutes. And oh, Hugh song. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hugh, Hugh, yeah. Hugh. Uh-huh. Hugh, yeah. And that really, I mean, I was in a car since I was a kid. But they never, my mom never forced it on me. She joined it when I was a kid. And I was just kind of went along with it. Okay, yeah. And then when I got older, she never said, you have to do this. But I just did. And um, kind of came naturally to me, and eventually I started finally singing Hugh every day. And as soon as I started doing that, my life started changing for the better. And it took many years. I'm kind of a slow learner as an older grad student. I guess that's obvious. But um, yeah. So I just wow. I started having more and more inner experiences and. You know, um, I, one of the things we talk about in a lot is that waking dreams, that things can happen in your outer life and your inner life that reflect each other and learning from them. Um, having like keeping a dream journal is what ideally, which I'm really bad at lately, but I have done off and on for years, keeping a dream journal to, um, sort of track my dreams and if you go back over you can often learn things later even years later mm -hmm. now when so, you when you um, say waking I, dreams when you say waking dreams do you mean um like daydreaming and you're watching it happen or that you're keeping that your life is a waking dream i didn't quite understand that part the, um well i think uh it could be either of those things but i think um in general when they say waking dreams they mean more the latter which is things are happening in your outer life and it's like a dream oh like oh. it'll come to you and you're like oh yeah that, you know that that's what that meant like you're watching and, it sort of from the outside too even yeah and i remember doing that even as a little kid in elementary school mm -hmm. and talking about it with my mom and she would be like whoa you know <laughs> and I was like, well, i'm just telling you something that happened you know <laughs> and um my, my parents are gone now so you know i'm but um yeah, just a lot of, you know, I've been I've been in this kind of world my whole life in many ways, but, you know, surrounded by a lot of people that aren't in that world that don't believe in these things. So 
yeah, I kind of just stumbled onto this group. Thank Thank you, you, Christine. I see Laura is ready to um, get the room started. Yes, absolutely. The first thing I'd like to do as we're starting this room is to welcome everybody. I have a lot of TikTok followers here. We have uh, some people in our room on Clubhouse. So if whoever's on TikTok who wants to join us on Clubhouse, uh, go to the website newearthnetwork.club. And then you'll see on the very first homepage, you'll see a link to the event and you can get the link from that event right there. Or you can click on events too and um, you just click get more information and then you can join us on Clubhouse. Um, That said, I just want to talk about some of the rules of the room. We want to make sure that whenever we have speakers uh, that are talking, um, we want to kind of keep it as quick and as fast as possible. Um, so we don't want someone, let's say, talking for five to ten minutes at a time. So we just want to be aware that whenever we are sharing, especially if someone's flashing their microphone, then try to wind it down because it's kind of hard to see who wants to talk here, and we don't want everybody to interrupt each other. Um, But we do want to make this kind of conversational, and those who are on Clubhouse, if you want to participate in the conversation, this conversation is being recorded we, built, we will be releasing it on our website and as a podcast uh, and on a future date. So if you want to participate in this conversation, then you will need to go to our website and agree to our terms of service and our participation agreement, which can be found at our website, newearthnetwork.club. And then what you would do from there is um, you would go to join the conversation. And then you, it's just two quick little things. You fill out your name, your email address, and then you agree to the terms, and then you can participate in the conversation. And today we are talking about spiritual awakening and psychic abilities and how they go hand in hand. I want to introduce you to our panel. Our panel, uh, the very first person I want to introduce you to is Sam. Sam, can you tell us just a, briefly about yourself and what your opinion is about psychic abilities and spiritual awakening? Thank you, Laura. Good evening, everybody. My name is Sam Stewart. Um, I live in California, and I am a graduate student uh, towards counseling. I practice um, martial art that's non-confrontational in philosophy. Um, My ideas on spiritual awakening and psychic abilities is, to a degree, everybody has them, and it's just a matter of peeling back enough layers that we get to practice and enjoy them. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sam, thanks for letting us know. Okay, Phoenix, we're going to come over to you. Can you introduce yourself? Tell us briefly about who you are and what your opinion is on psychic abilities and spiritual awakening. Uh, Sure. Thanks. Um, I'm Phoenix, and um, basically I've had a lot of sort of psychic experiences when I was younger and then as I was as growing up and and I started uh I didn't know what to do with them I didn't understand them and so I I one of the things I did was I started to use uh chemicals like alcohol to turn them off basically um because they were I just didn't understand and didn't have anyone to talk to now that I'm not drinking it's all coming back and in fact um increasing so yeah that's it for me wow 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Phoenix. And the next person I would like to introduce is Christine. Christine, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your brief opinion on psychic abilities and spiritual awakening? Yes, I um, have had three near-death experiences, and I've had many, many experiences that led me to believe that there was something more than what was going on. I, in, in my regular life, I'm an author, a graphic artist, website designs, mother of six, um, six grandkids. I mean, busy life that way. And when, when I was in elementary school, this is where my, my idea about ESP came from, which is, you know, psychic abilities. I saw something on 60 Minutes, and it was really popular back then, and on the evening news. And I thought to myself, gosh, I really wish I had that. And I remember telling people stories about things that were happening to me and them saying, oh, you've got such a great imagination. Now, I didn't know that those were not, that that's not what imagination meant. When somebody said you have a great imagination, I thought, oh, this is imagination. <laughs> so I assigned my psychic abilities to my imagination because that's what people told me. Awesome. I did the same thing, Christine, actually. <laughs> I did exactly the same thing. Okay, the next Christine, could you briefly uh, introduce yourself and tell us your opinion about spiritual awakening and psychic abilities? Sure. Um, well, I'm Christine. I'm in Michigan. I'm a graduate student in occupational therapy and a lifeline, a lifetime member of uh, the religion called Ekankar. And I've I've spent, I've, there's actually a lot of teachings in Ekankar about spiritual awakening and how we're always learning and growing and moving forward and how you can continually kind of hone your ability. And uh, one of the ways I do that um, is to sing the word hue every day, contemplate. Um, contemplate with the word hue, and I sing a hue... You, and I, when I do it right, when I do it, when I do a good job of taking the time to 20 minutes per day to just relax, I find that I really, my life is so much more smooth and I, I just handle things better. So even when I was older, I was like, for a while I wasn't totally buying it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They told me to do this. But when I really started to practice this, my life changed and I started to really grow and that's how I ended up back in grad school and where I am now. So of course, you know, growing means you're continually changing and, <laughs> and that can also mean there's a lot of bumps in the road. So, um, yeah, it's just continually learning to accept it and move forward in life and kind of adjust as you go along. Thank you so much, Christine, for sharing. I really appreciate that. And I would like to remind people who are following us on Clubhouse, I see there's hands that are raised who want to join in on the conversation. And because this uh, conversation is being recorded and because we do plan on using it on our podcast and on our website, before we invite you as a speaker, we need you to agree to um, allow us to use your voice and your questions. So if you could go to our website, which is newearthnetwork.club, uh, push on the link that says join the conversation 
fill out that form and then raise your hand once you filled out that form, then we can add you to the panel. In the meantime, uh, anyone who's watching me on TikTok, if you have questions, please let us know and then I will try to slip those questions in during the conversation. Let's begin this conversation off with Christine Contini. Christine, I would like you to tell me um, about spiritual awakening and psychic abilities and how people might misunderstand or misconstrue what that is or possibly fall in trouble with it. You know, I have a perfect story that Phoenix told me today that if I let her quickly tell that story and then I'll explain everything that you just asked me to explain. Perfect. You ready to do that, Phoenix? Sure, I can do that. Okay, this is something that uh, happened just the other the other night at, at about 4 a.m. But I'm going to go back just a little bit to explain. When I first started meditating um, a little over 20 years ago, the very first time when I sort of dropped down into my body, I would see the color like purple indigo and with some green and it and it's a lot of sort of swirling and pulsing uh images in my in like my mind's eye and then that kind of stuck around anytime I meditated or even sometimes when I was just closed my eyes and but so I got used to that wasn't really sure what it was um it's kind of morphed over the last week into like seeing uh faces of people i don't know and and creatures that i really don't recognize but then the most recent was uh, a couple of nights ago i fell asleep and i kind of just woke up like wide awake and i had been seeing or i was seeing even with my eyes open um those purple and greens doing their pulsating thing but instead of like the swirls they were uh making like these geometric shapes and so they were you know and i didn't understand them and they were kind of like in circles rings kind of coming at me that way and they'd come and i'd see them and they'd go away and then i'd get you know the next image and i was also getting like other colors as well that i don't normally see but it was all patterns and um brand new for me and it lasted for like probably an hour you know and i shared about that on a different uh social media because it was just like stunning and and i was kind of putting it out there just to see if anybody else had had you know could relate and two people that i don't really know both contacted me or you know responded that they had the same thing happen that that they woke up in the middle of the night and i i know for sure one was at the, the very same night i did and for the first time in her life she was seeing the patterns and the geometric shapes and the the sort of symbols and she it startled her and it kind of scared her so, you know, I let her know that I had experienced that too, that she wasn't, you know, alone with that. So, um, yeah, and that's the story I had relayed to Christine about what was going on. So, yeah, 
Right. That's perfect. And so I'm going to go through a couple of the things that you said. One of the things you said is you got used to that. Now, that is what happens with a lot of our psychic abilities. If something will happen, we won't necessarily know what it means. We'll just observe it and it will become normal to us and we'll forget it as if, um, so it loses its impact on us. The more, the more it occurs, the less impact it has when it occurs and it becomes normal. And we'll talk about some of those um, experiences you have that are actually very normal psychic abilities. And I'm just like Samuel. I know that we all have psychic abilities. It's just seeing them and recognizing them. A second thing you said was about when you close your eyes and you see colors. That is a very normal psychic ability. When you tie into your energy systems, especially, depending on where you, your um, activity is, where you need support and what it is you're looking for in your life, you will likely see different colors. And, and to me, it looks kind of like if I took and painted a whole room, and then the room kind of collapses in on itself, and the color disappears, and then the whole room's painted again, it collapses on itself, and that's one of the versions. Um, Phoenix, if when I, I'm going to name these versions, and I want you to tell me, or actually anyone on the panel, if you've had this particular color experience, where it collapses in on itself, becomes dark, and then color is there again, or it's like a wave with a darker um, area around it and it kind of moves and gets larger and smaller again. Nope, no takers on that? Okay. Yeah, I've experienced the latter with the waves. Ah, okay, yes. Third yes, and um, uh, and Sam, since you yeah, did... Yeah, I've experienced first kind. Okay. With, the, with these... Uh, go ahead. Phoenix? Yeah, I was just going to say... It's it's the more of the, the first one that you described. Right, so yours sure. is the collapsing in on into darkness and then it happening over and over. Now, that one is more of a, um, I call it sky-related psychic ability because it's universal energy versus earth energy. Now, the one that Sam is seeing is more of an earth energy. And a lot of times it'll come in earth tones more than those vibrant tones of purples. You'll get more of the oranges, the browns, um, darker blues and greens. Is that what you get, Sam? For the most part, I'd say 80% of the time it's white. Ooh. And then, yeah, it's always white. And if memory serves when it has been colored, Vague, very faint blues, but mostly okay. in the whites. Ah, okay. So the whites are more, it's a, um, a collapsing of information. So as you compile information and you're bringing it into your system, it's collapsing into your your structure. So that's why I went, ooh, because that mean, that's helped me understand why so, where some of your um, spiritual intelligence comes from. Uh, Laura, were you so, flashing? So if I hear what you're saying, you're saying that whenever people see colors, is that it's spiritual information or energetic information being translated through the third eye and into the body. Correct. Now, that, yes, that's what you're saying. yes, not just the third eye though. Your brain can also translate it as well. And, um, okay. another one that you might see, well, think about it this way. When you close your eyes and it really should just be dark, you shouldn't be seeing things. So there's much more going on. And if it's not a thought that you're thinking about that you're seeing, then it's something more. And so I it, have a question. Uh huh. Talking about closing your eyes and it should be dark. Just a question for thought. Um, have you ever, or anyone in this group, or anyone that I'm speaking with, have, has anyone ever closed their eyes and still seen the room around them? 
Yes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Anyway, keep going with what you were saying. I just <laughs> yeah. wanted to ask that question. Um, but I, I, I think what you're saying, though, is not just seeing it, but seeing it as if your eyes never closed. Is that more what you're saying? Exactly. Yes. Uh-huh. As yeah. if your eyes never closed. And you're like, wait, I thought my eyes were closed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a rare one for me personally, but it's happened a couple of times. More often, when I close my eyes, it starts to morph, which means it's and it, and it starts to change colors and, and darken in different areas. So I'm seeing more of a, a frequency versus the actual room at that point. And that was, uh, so another thing that you might see when you close your eyes are images. Or you might feel like you've just joined someone's story. Um, and it feels or, or seems like a memory, but it's not your actual memory. And that's some more of the psychic abilities that are coming up. Those are more along the telepathic line. Now, Laura, I don't want to over talk, so I'm going to pass it back to you. Thank you so much. Yes, I would like to steer this conversation into talking more about being an empath because it's my understanding that when a lot of people wake up um, spiritually, one of the very first gifts that they recognize that they have, it's the easiest to recognize as being an empath. And what that means is when you've walked into a room, um, you can tell uh, if the energy has, if someone's been fighting in there, if it's a loving presence, you know, you can kind of sense what's been going on in the room before you, or as you step into it. Um, and that is one of the subtle psychic abilities. It can be, it can also be not subtle because like I was such an empath that I would literally take on people's stuff. And I was like, I thought I was sick all the time when I wasn't. I was just picking up everybody else's stuff mm -hmm. all the time. And another part of that, too, is when you walk in the room and you suddenly a part of your body hurts. And you can then find someone else in the room who had that same body ache prior to you even entering. Or, right. Or emotionally, you were in a great mood and then you went to the store and all of a sudden you're just mad or you're sad or you're just wanting to go home and listen to sad songs play. You know, <laughs> so that's an empath. And most people are empathic with each other because, you know, the psychologically and, and Sam, you can comment on this, especially since you're or do a lot of research and do approach things from an academic point of view. You could say, well, there's visual clues. You can see someone's posture is down. You can, you know, see that their their eyes aren't full of light. But um, what differentiates a person who can read other people really well versus an empath is an empath can actually enter a room where there's no people and they can still feel either physical or emotional um, symptoms. So, Samuel, I would like you to speak on that, please. Yeah, you almost uh, you know, took the words right out of my mouth, especially with posture. Um, when uh, some of my training is uh, when you see shadows in people's clothing, you know, it means they're holding there. You know, they may have an injury or they may be, you know, like the classic visual would probably be the person whose shoulders are hunched over and kind of protecting the heart idea. And you can visually see that, you know, there's something going on there. There's a protection. Um, but also like shadows in clothing, um, shadows on body parts, you know, where people are protecting or they have an injury or they're storing information um that's some of the experience that i have and then certainly um 
walking into the room, just as you said, and experiencing that flood of uh, sensation, um, you know, through all the senses of the room is lighter, the room is heavier, that person's having a bad day, or that person has an enormous amount of walls up. Um, I don't necessarily have experience of entering an empty room and understanding the emotions, but except for if it's a grounded room, if it's not grounded, let's say a newly built building and you just can't focus or seem swirly inside, um, you know, I think that's part of being empathetic, but not necessarily the emotions that have been, um, that are a residue. So... Yeah, or it could even be when you're driving down the street. I mean, the the way that it presents whenever you're an empath, um, it presents in all different kinds of ways. Like, I th- And I think what's the most important thing about this particular psychic ability, first of all, like I said, in my opinion, in my experience, and if you all want to disagree with me, feel free, but what I've seen is a lot of people, whenever they begin spiritual awakening, this is one of the very first ones that turn on and they don't even realize it. People, they don't, people don't realize it because it feels so much like who they are that you can't differentiate. It's hard to, it's difficult to differentiate what belongs to someone else and what belongs to you. And the more you can start doing that, the more you realize how much other people's things you take on all the time. Are there a quick question? Um, and me as someone that's new to newer to understanding empathetic, uh, ideas and everything I have forwarded, um, contacts that I know who, just as you just described, discovering that they're empathic. And in one sense are like, I'm finally glad I know, but I don't know how to, not take on everything because it's all so new. So how does someone new who's discovering they are an empath help themselves understand and perhaps, you know, achieve that closed circuit uh, mentality? So they're not taking on everything. I think that would be helpful. Um, I don't have those answers. So if anybody in the panel did, that would be great. Yes. Yes, I can absolutely give some input on that. When you first start doing it, um, there's a couple of things that will help you realize whether it's you or not. And the, the basis of that is actually knowing who you are. So if something is suddenly quite different, then you can figure, okay, I'm picking something up and I'm being influenced by it, but it still, it still feels like it's sort of me. And, um, another thing is when you communicate something and you get a response. So one of the things about Phoenix's story earlier was that somebody else had the same geometric pattern appear. So that's a, that's something that you'll start to find. So being quiet about experiences doesn't actually help you if you're an empath. Talking about it gets the recognition from somebody else. And then once you both recognize it, then something changes. It's the, when you hide something, you crave it. So if you're hiding it inside, it's going to keep happening more and more and larger than life until you finally say something about it. And that is um, one of my examples of my awakening. So I'll share that at this point. I was driving down the road and I was very depressed and I just started, a song came on the road, I mean on the radio and I burst into tears. Now I thought I was crying about the song and I thought, okay, I'm just sad and that's why I'm crying with this song. But it started happening. Every time I got in the car, 
I would start bursting into tears. And I'd be like, even on days that I wasn't sad, this would happen. And I thought, what the heck? And one day it happened and I just said, I don't understand this. And I started looking around and there was a girl next to me in her car crying. And I thought, oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> right? And this went on for months. And then I was at an event, a social event for a holiday. And a couple of girls were there and their husbands weren't there and mine wasn't there. And I was just feeling kind of sad, you know, that mine wasn't there. But he did show up and I thought, okay, I'm okay now. But the feeling got stronger and stronger. And so I just, I said, excuse me, I'm going to go to the, I'm just going to go to the bathroom and see if I can't pull myself together. And when I went in there, one of the other women was already in there and she was crying because her husband wasn't there. So again, that was me picking up her empathic, her empathic message, but I, I, um, I resonated with it because I was having the same experience in the beginning. Yes, Laura. I just wanted to remind you too of a mutual friend that we have who recently began her spiritual awakening. And it reminds me of the story when she was driving down the highway and she suddenly started smelling oranges. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then she's like, where is that smell of oranges coming from? And of course she's in her car with all her windows up and, you know, uh, in a closed space. And then she gets down the road a little bit and stops at a stoplight and here this person beside of her is eating oranges. <laughs> right. So, um, I want to just take this moment. There's some new people that are here uh, that have just joined us. I wanted to let people know we're talking about spiritual awakening and psychic abilities. And if you would like to join us on our website, it is newearthnetwork.club. And you can look in events. And we're going to be hosting events every Tuesday at 530. And we're in the the process of populating what our topics and if you want to suggest or submit a topic you can at newearthnetwork.club so thank you everyone for joining and christine you've got the floor again okay great so um this kind of thing goes on all day long and another thing like you're saying how do you not experience this now it's, there's many methods, but we're just going to cover one today. And, and Sam, let me know afterwards if, if you can feel a difference, because I want you to do this with me. So your second chakra, which is the, if you put your hand below your belly button, you're pretty much covering your second chakra. And that space is part of our social connection. And when you feel other people empathically, you're running a lot of energy through your second chakra, because... It's the second and fourth that are the two that connect us interpersonally with people specifically. And if we have an open second chakra, you're going to be feeling, once you're aware and you start awakening, you're going to be feeling a lot of people's things. And and this is, and you're like, well, how do I know if it's mine or not? And when we tie off the second chakra, it's going to help you recognize that, okay, I can feel this, but it's not me. If your second chakra is not tied off, you're picking up all kinds of things all the time and it can be overwhelming. Now, I don't want to give it, people the impression that you want to tie it, tie it off and disconnect because that's not my point. But at any point that you're feeling overwhelmed and you're not sure if something is you or not, this exercise right now is the best one that I have ever found. So imagine that energy comes in from, from your back 
through your body and out the front of you. So just a straight line running through you from behind. And when that line comes out the front, I want you to divide it into two sections. And I want you to curve those sections around your body, just with your own thoughts, make them curve around your body so that they go back to their origination point, which is your back. So the energy is coming through your back, out the front, splitting into two, going around each side of your body, and then coming back through your body a second time. When it comes through your body a second time, imagine yourself grabbing those cords and holding them with one hand. Now while you're holding them with the, with the first hand, you're going to then take your second hand and you're going to take them and loop them around and push them through the loop and then pull them tight. And you're tying off that flow. Now when things continue to flow, it's really difficult to tell if it's you or not. But by tying off this flow of the second chakra, and it doesn't tie off the energy. The energy is still going through you. Because remember, we looped this through, so it's going through twice. The tie-off is what helps you see what's you and what's not. Because what's you feel, well, actually, Sam, let me know if you feel anything different, and then that'll help us describe it to others. So, at first, lots of tingling before I started tying everything off. My whole body just tingled was great <laughs> but wonderful and then this sense of um flow and completion is the best way to describe it right very good now phoenix did you also try to do the method uh yeah i did okay. I, I feel more solid yes okay so those are two of the things both those things you'll notice did anyone else try it and have a result I tried to draw it, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the other experiences that people will have is um, anxiousness will reduce once you do that. Um, but feeling more stable is a very common experience. And the reason you feel more stable is because now you're basically only flowing yourself versus flowing everyone else. Because the part that was flowing through you was not you. The part that is that is inside of you that continues to move is you. So by tying off the external influences, you feel more of yourself. Um, if nobody else has, if if nobody else has something they want to talk about, I have a another good story about how to tell when you're, you're something's you or not you. Okay. Yeah. And then after that, I want to move into more. Um, topics such as, you know, there's whenever people begin psychically or spiritually awakening, there's ringing errors and things like that. Mm, okay. So this particular story deals with more of the telepathic side. And a lot of people think tele telepathy is just based on thoughts, like reading someone's mind. But it's not that at all. Telepathy co en encompasses all of your different senses. And I was at lunch with my sister. And, and the rest of my family. And my sister said, oh, I got to go pick up my dog from the vet. So she left a little earlier than the rest of us. And about 10 minutes after she left, I started getting this really sad feeling and this really um, disappointed feeling. And then suddenly the words popped into my head that my only son is going to die. And I was like, oh, wait a second. Okay, there's a fact there that's wrong. See, I had, I had two sons at the time. And to hear that my only son's going to die, if I wasn't actually paying attention 
I would have missed this and I would have been stuck in that really sad feeling that my son was going to die. And so that's another way to see and see what's you and what's not you is is kind of translating the energy into what facts is it that they they represent. And here's what happened. My sister went to the vet and the exam showed that he had cancer and that her dog was not going to be okay. And I heard that I, first I felt it and then I heard the thought so clear as if it were my own and with telepathy that's what happens is you hear a thought you assume it's your own but if you check in with yourself you can start to see what's yours and what's not yours is it, is it likely I would have thought that no I had no reason to think that my son was going to die but most people will think oh this is a premonition versus oh it's just a telepathic experience and uh, so, Sam, I hope that helps you also find some ways to recognize when something's you or not you. Yeah, thank you so much. I had the same sort of thing happen to me, except it was from one of my dogs a while back. Um, it was a young dog. There was no reason that this dog should have been sick. And I kept, I heard in my head, it was in July, um, I'm going to leave you soon. And I was like, I got onto myself. I'm like, why am I thinking these thoughts? You know, I, I couldn't imagine that this little guy was going to leave me anytime soon. Cause he seemed so healthy. He, he ran, he played, he was so happy, but I kept hearing, I'm going to leave you soon. And, um, you know, the other thing about psychic abilities and this kind of stuff is that soon and time are different for everybody. So um, six months later, that little I heard it again. I heard I'm going to leave you soon, and I was, and it just came out of nowhere. And I was like, Why would I think this about this little dog? He looks completely and totally healthy. Alora, and, I would like know, to say one quick thing before you finish your story. That's another way to know whether it's you or some someone else is it's just a clear statement there was no nothing leading you to think or say those things to yourself and it's just like clear and loud right right it was very clear very loud there was no ifs ands or buts about it but i thought it was my subconscious mind or programming not letting myself have something that i wanted you know which was a close relationship with this dog i thought i was self-sabotaging and I still beat myself up over it. And then like a week later, the little dog collapsed and he had cancer and no one caught it because I took him to the vet and had him checked out. And nobody, they didn't do x-rays or anything like that. They're like, no, he's healthy. He's fine. And I was devastated, but it was, and then my other dog, I heard, I heard my other dog say, well, I'm going to leave soon too. And it felt completely different than when my first dog said it. And I was like, what? So I listened this time, and two weeks later, she died. So wow. both of my dogs died around the same time. It was so devastating. But um, that's when I really knew and understood how telepathy felt and worked. Because there's no way I could have known that for either of those dogs. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we talked about telepathy. We talked about being an empath. Now let's talk about some of the symptoms 
and what it what psychic abilities actually look like whenever they're turning on because I think there's a lot of people who have psychic abilities and they use them all the time but they don't even know it would anyone like to speak on that Uh, some symptoms I had was headaches, lots of headaches. Yes, I remember having headaches too, especially like in the third eye area and behind my eyes and then at the occipital region and then sometimes on the side. I mean, yeah, it was different places every time actually mm-hmm. now that I think about it. I think yeah. that's and I had a common one. I also had sounds playing in my head like do 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 do. <laughs> or, you know, like these little computer sounds. It sounded like a keyboard, like a, you know, an electronic p- keyboard going do, 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 do. So weird. Inside the middle of your head or like right here, the back of your head. Does it count if you just get the sense that someone's, well, a real knowing that someone is thinking about me right now or you pick up their mood or something like that? Is that in the same family? Yes, absolutely. That's called Clara. Is that Clara sentience? I think there's there's like five different kinds of knowing in Clara. There's the visual where people see things. There's the audio where people hear things. There's the feeling where people feel things. There's the knowing where people just know something. And then what's the other one? Um... Does anybody know the other one? Clara Sistian, Clara Audience, Clara Audience, Claire Voyant, Claire. Uh, Sorry, I can't help you with these. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I just know, like in the last in the last four years, and perhaps it was always there, but I didn't know it yet. But in the last four years, it's now I really trust Gwen. Oh, this person is thinking of me right now. You know, and it's. It's constant, and it's real subtle. It's not anything disturbing. It's just sort of like a, a wisp of a whatever. Now, but, do you find this to be like one specific person, or is this multiple people you you have this with? Um, at first, I thought it was just one specific person, but then as time went on and I had, you know, just sort of got more in tune with it, I realized it was uh, an acquaintance or a buddy or a friend or a former girlfriend even. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I have something with that, but I have a long distance, I'm in a long distance relationship at, with a man that lives about 800 miles away, and um, I, I can tell you the number of times I've called him on the phone, and he'll say, I literally just picked up the phone to call you, and I always seem to know, and he never does, I never, it never works the other way around usually, usually I'm surprised when he calls me, but when I call him, I'm, I'm pretty tuned into, and I'm also really aware of he got mad at me a few times for saying, you know, I can tell that you need to go. He's like, well, I'll tell you when I'm ready to go. It's okay. You don't need to cut it out. You know, and I, I finally had to explain to him that I have this ability to feel when he's starting to get anxious because he needs to do something because he's a professor and he's always working. And, um, yeah, that's just one example, but I wanted to throw it out there. Yeah, that's a great one. You know, Laura does that to me when we're on the phone talking too. If I start to get even the least little bit distracted, she's like, I can tell you need to go. And I was like, no, 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 don't try to ditch me yet. I wasn't done. I was just distracted. 
Yeah, I do that all the time. I'm like, okay, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I saw Alex flash his mic. Yeah, I did too. I was going to ask Alex what he wants to say. Oh, yeah, I was just wondering if maybe an interesting topic to go into would be how to um, maybe like an exercise or something to strengthen those abilities. I know you said um, we were talking about earlier about uh, kind of like with going around the body and kind of like controlling it more. Maybe what would be the opposite of that would be like strengthening it, leaning into it. One of the best ways to strengthen your abilities is to slow down. And I'll explain why. When we're going fast, we move more into our thoughts, into our brain activity. And that is, um, it's programming and it's habitual things. And when we're doing that, going fast and, and doing that type of behavior, we tend to turn down everything else. And when you slow down and you reconnect your body, your mind, your brain, your, your um, spirit, and your energetic system, when they're all working simultaneously at, the, at a slower pace, then you're going to be more aware. And the, when the brain and mind work together, you know, that's the third eye combination. That's, that's one of the things why you want these aspects together. When the spirit energy is working with those aspects, that's bringing you external information in and out of the body. Um, the energetic system is like your 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 receiver. So when that's engaged, your your ability to receive something clearly increases. It's like giving yourself an antenna. Uh, so I hope that helps. There's there's more exercises that we can do too. Like if you want to practice looking at people's auras, the easiest place to see them are around the shoulders and the top of the head. And for me, um, the easiest way to see it is whenever they're, uh, if they have a blank background behind them, it can be lighter or it can be darker. And then the other thing that I used to do when I was like a kid, um, when I was teaching people how to see energy, <laughs> this is what I did with my friends when I was younger. Um, I would hold my hands apart and I would get into kind of a dimly lit room and I would get a black background behind my hands or as dark as possible and then I would look at the I would instruct them and show them how whenever I pulled my hands apart and put them back together with my fingertips you could see these strings going between my fingertips and then I could manipulate those strings of energies that were going between the fingertips and change the colors and change the brightness and all of that. And then also, um, once you actually start seeing the strings between, uh, the fingers like that are facing each other, like, let's say you have your two pointer fingers facing each other, then you'll start seeing strings between the pointer fingers and your other fingers. Cause they're always there. But does that make sense? What I'm saying? Cause I'm, I'm demonstrating it visually in my video feed, but I don't think, I don't know if you guys can understand what I'm saying from it my voice. Is that also something like people practicing that? Like against yeah. the white background? Yeah, you, you can do it against a white background. You can do it against a white background. I always found it easier to see like the, the brightness of it against a darker background. Because like with the darker backgrounds, you can actually see the colors and stuff. You can too with the white background. But um, 
in a in a dimly lit room with the dark background is when I always had the most success of having people see it. Or like they're like, oh my gosh, I can see it. One of the uh, opening warm ups for Aikido is energy balls, which is exactly the same thing you're talking about. You know, the energy in the hands, and I know that's common. So I've done it for over a decade, but I didn't know about what you were talking about at all. So I curious to practice it and see if I could actually see a string one day. Yeah, and the way that you're talking about the Aikido ball in Chinese medicine and and in um, all of my training as a massage therapist and energy worker, uh, one of the exercises that people have you do is to like have your hands facing each other and then you bring them as close as you can until you feel a very, very slight amount of pressure. And once you feel that pressure stop, and real, and um, sometimes you might have to use your imagination at first, but if you can really feel the energy between your hands, sometimes you'll feel the pressure and you'll, you might feel tingling or you might feel warmth or you might feel cold. Um, from there, you can build the energy up between your hands by pumping your hands in and out with each other. And you just, you go in until you feel that border of pressure and then you back it out and then you push in again and you'll see that that border of pressure gets further and further apart and then for me if i push in side of that border of pressure my hands actually get sucked together so i don't know if you all practiced that while i was talking about it but that's a way to start feeling energy and the more you practice it the stronger relationship you have to being aware of it because as Alex was asking how can we strengthen these and awareness really is what makes it stronger it's not that anything has changed in your practice but you're starting to be able to um, it's like speaking any language you're starting to be able to speak this language of your ability by um, practicing it yeah, that's, I agree with you, Christine. That's what psychic abilities are. It's not that you don't know how to speak. It's that you have to learn the alphabet. Mm -hmm. you, you, ha you can make all the sounds with your mouth. You can, you can do everything that any psychic or any person who has these abilities to do. You just haven't learned the alphabet or the language yet. Definitely. Totally good way to put that. Hey, Phoenix, did you have something to add to this part? Yeah, I was just going to say that I used to practice a, a lot of that like a long time ago and then stopped for a long a number of years. And so, yeah, I'm going to start playing with that again. And I like, uh, cause I always, as far as like the white background, I've never tried it with a darker background. So yeah, I'm going to start uh, trying it that way and see what happens. Yeah. It's pretty cool because you can, once you start, so with that exercise where you bring your hands together and you look at the light between your fingers, what's really cool about that exercise is not only are you learning to see energy, but you're also learning how to manipulate energy because you can make that light that's in between your fingers brighter, darker. You can change its colors. So you're learning two things at the same time. Laura, quick question on that. If you're new to it and can't quite see the energy yet, is just a but that's why i can feel the energy but i can't see it if i visualize the colors is that helping to practice or just don't go in that direction what would you suggest oh my um that's really hard to say hey christine what do you think about that 
I would have to defer to you because I've never seen the little strings. I just feel them. I wonder, oh, well. do you think it has anything to do with, okay, so like my strongest telepathy is to be able to actually translate everything into words. So I can actually hear people's thoughts in actual words, but I don't see their thoughts. So I'm, I'm more audio in that method. So perhaps it's the difference between being more visual or more, or more feeling. Yeah. Clairvoyance versus clairaudience. Yeah. Cause I'm very visual and like when I'm seeing people's thoughts, some, like with my little dog's thoughts, I heard it clearly, but sometimes whenever I'm working with people, I see a lot of images and then I have to interpret those images mm-hmm. and then bring the information through those images. So, um, your, the answer to your question, Samuel or Sam, I'm sorry, I keep calling you Samuel cause that's what it says on your picture. I know Samuel, you're Sam. Samuel's great. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take it. So awesome. So, um, I would say that you can try it both ways. However, if you're imagining the color, like let's say that you, you're trying to see the color blue, you can even take your hand, like here's something, I'm gonna tell you all something that I do before I get on a plane. <laughs> if I look around at everyone's auras and they don't have one or they don't have dark, it's never actually happened that I've seen it on a plane, but I've seen it around people who are about to die. If I were to look at people who are about to die and see what their aura looks like, which is a lot of times not the really vibrant things that, that most people, you know, like I, I can see it above their head more than any other place, really, because it's really strong above their head and their shoulders. But if I were to get on a plane and no one had the aura, I would not get on that plane. So I even look at my own aura before I get on a plane and I look at my hand. And I make sure that my hand has, I know the R of my hand and I know the, uh, the width and the depth and the, the thickness. And, you know, I've looked at it so many times that when it's off, I notice that it's off. So you can use this as a way to kind of predict what you're getting into as well. <laughs> you know, now that you mentioned that, Laura, I do have a little bit of a memory of, when I was trying to see the aura around my hand, because I didn't know where else to start because it's harder to look at the rest of my body, so I put my hand out in front of me against a white background, and I saw just, it seems like a little bit of color change close up to my skin, and the more I, I stared at it, the more I could see that it actually expanded a little further and a little further. So I think, Sam, instead of imagining the color, is look closer to the physical, to catch it and then once you catch it then you can follow it and I think that's more accurate than trying to imagine it yeah I agree with that because if you're trying to imagine it that's part of creating the color but you don't really want to imagine what you're seeing you want to be accurate with your sight so um, if you're the one that let's say you're in a group of people and you want the string, the energetic string between your two fingers to be blue, then absolutely imagine that string being blue because it starts there and, you know, where your thought comes in and where your imagination comes in, especially if emotions behind it, that's what creates things. But when you're the one trying to see it, clear your mind and just allow whatever you see to be there. Does that help? That's wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. And a dark background, like I said, for me, really, um, I tried, I taught a lot of people in high school and 
grade school how to do this, and I had way more success with them actually seeing the colors on a darker background in a dimly lit room. We would go to the closets and stuff. (laughs) 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 We'd crack the door so some light came in, you know. So I had someone on my other thread here saying that that they did this in high school too. They they would throw energy balls to get your attention. We threw energy balls too. We did the same thing. And, and hit somebody in the head. Some... Yeah. <laughs> uh, if it's okay, I want to bring this back around to something else, and you know, another ability that maybe people aren't aware that they have, and that's the ability to send information. Because we've been talking about feeling and receiving, but what about those people that send? And I have um, a very common example that most people don't even think about. If you're if you're a sender and you're sitting. Um, somewhere and you're thinking to yourself gosh I really wish I had blah 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 for example if you're on your couch and you just think I really wish I had something to drink and the person next to you says hey I'm gonna get something to drink do you want some something you that if that happens over and over or even you know just once a week to you even that is psychic abilities because a sender puts the information out there and a receiver then picks it up and thinks it's their own idea to go get a drink but it was yours all along. I have yeah. that one. I have that one. You're a sender, Phoenix? Apparently so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's in small ways, but it's also in really big, you know, quote, big ways, too. And it's absolutely amazing. Nice. Yeah, there are. There's senders and receivers. And um, you, you have, each person has their innate abilities that they're better at than other abilities it doesn't mean that you can't become a receiver it just means that you might have to work on it a little more right see one is more natural to you than another and that normally tends to be um, based on a childhood experience i i tend to think of that as i mean one of the words it's called is manifesting and i i i don't usually use that word but it's like manifest i have a desire and pretty much pick create what I want from that desire or manifest it. Right. So when you take that ability to manifest and you put it with telepathy, it looks more like this where, yes, you want it, but you have to match it up with somebody who can give it to you. So it's still a sending and receiving experience, but it's your ability to send it convincingly. Yeah. Makes sense. Total sense. Awesome. I'm going to open it. Are there, are there any other questions? Alex, thank you for joining. Did that answer and did we speak about and what you wanted or is there something else you would like to say? And then I'm also opening it up for my other audience. If you have questions, please let us know. Yeah, no, that was great. It's very insightful. Thank you. I love listening. Awesome. You're welcome. Let's see. I see a comment. What's the easiest way to get XYZ? And then, okay, so there's someone that shared with me that um, they would often ask themselves, what's the easiest way to get something? And then they would see a vision, and that would help. So that would be clairaudience, I mean, clairvoyance. Um, So that's pretty cool. The thing with visions is that you always have to interpret them. But I guess that's the same thing with words, too. 
whenever you hear something, you have to, you, you interpret it through your own language and through who you are. That's, that's how it is with all the psychic abilities, actually. Right. There's one that uh, we haven't mentioned much about either is when you touch something and you receive something from that. And a lot of people don't realize that inanimate objects are, have a life of their own. And so when you touch it, it's reflecting to you something that it thinks you can use based on things that it's already received. I have, um, I had thought about that. And when I first started seeing, well, what's real and what's not real in these abilities, one of the things I did was practice with a couple of girls and, uh, I'm sorry, a couple of my daughter's friends. And so it was a, a boy and two girls and they each handed me something and I told them something about themselves from what they handed me. And the little boy, this was the first time I'd met him and he handed me a, uh, a sock that had some coins in it that was in his pocket. And I thought, I have no idea what I could possibly get off of this. And the first thing I saw was, oh, he uses his socks to wipe up milk off the floor when he accidentally um, spills a little drop here and there. <laughs> and he said, yes, that's true. But the more I leaned into it, I actually found that um, he was very unhappy that a friend of his had died and I'm not going to go into the long story of how all this came about but this was very um, obvious and what had happened is I started with one psychic method of this you know psychometry where you're touching something and moved into feeling him because of his excitement that he was finally being seen by somebody he kept offering me more and more and then I was just picking it up and it was just in the air. It was thick. It was heavy. Even the girls in the room started to feel it. So that's another thing is, even though it appears that one thing is separate from another, everything is interrelated all the time. So it's difficult then to say, well, is this ability telepathic? Is it empathic? It's more of work with what you have, what you're experiencing versus um, trying to label it. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. Um, I just had a question. Um, someone wants to know if someone could send themselves messages on their own timeline. And the answer is yes. Yes, I've went back and helped my younger self before. And Christine has had a call from the future, like a phone call. Um, so, And I've also, I've also talked to other times of my own self, too. I've talked to myself as a child. I've talked to myself at my death point. So absolutely. And, and I went and talked to Christine and there was the moment where we were standing in my kitchen and I went and talked to several different ages of her. Oh yeah. Um, and I, do you want to talk about that really quick, Christine? No, I'll let you do it. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, she had been, we have, we've been friends for several years and she's like, yeah, I used to have like these moments where she would know something. It's, I, I, I would like you to tell your experience of it, and then I'll tell my experience of it. Okay. Yeah, I was was basically saying that um, I didn't necessarily have a guide, that I didn't really have... I mean, a lot of people talk about having a guide, and I was just saying that there was times in my life when that if I ever needed support, that it suddenly was there. And, I mean, there... 
I, I wanted to kill myself, guys, so many times. I just wanted to be dead. So, I mean, needing support was a big deal in my life. It wasn't like, oh, I'm late and I just need some support not to be late. You know, these were desperate moments where I just wanted to leave the planet completely. And whenever I needed that support, there was always someone there. And it felt consistently like it was the same person. And I was telling this to Laura, and she suddenly became very aware. And that's where you got to pick it up. Yeah, so whenever I became aware, I felt myself, I was still present with Christine, but I felt my, my bigger self split, and it wasn't even a split, it was like everything happened simultaneously, where I could see all these different versions and ages of Christine, and I, I could feel the support that I was giving her, and it was... It, it made me cry. I broke down. I was like, oh, my gosh. It was, it's a huge experience. <laughs> but as I'm talking about it, it doesn't seem as big. <laughs> but just Hard to explain. Right. But it, you experienced it in one moment, and I experienced it throughout my entire life. Right. Yeah. She experienced it throughout her entire life. And for me, it was just one really very quick moment. Okay. So, um... There's someone talking about whenever they go to job interview, a job interview, they wonder if the person that they're speaking aware, speaking with is aware, um, I guess, of awakening. And then someone that someone asked if does if anyone ever has itchy hands. <gasps> itchy hands. If someone ever has itchy hands. I, I can relate to the itchy hands thing. Um, before I was really connected, that would be one of my symptoms that I wasn't hearing what was, what was trying to come through. My hands would start to get itchy, but now that I, I'm able to hear clearly, I, I don't get the itchy hands anymore, but I definitely, that was one of my awakening signs too. Yeah. I knew someone who, this one would be hard, I think, and it was hard for her, but whenever her hands turned on the heal, her healing energy, they would sweat like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, drip, drip, like wow, drip. yeah, fill up a glass. I didn't really okay. understand the question about the job interview, unless you're trying to say, um, are you asking if the person who's interviewing you can tell that you're awake or that you are aware that? I mean, I didn't understand that part, Laura. Yeah, I wonder if the person I'm speaking with is aware of. Oh, I see. I see. I have to go down. Aware of her. Uh, my abilities and their own. It can be tricky to navigate the world sometimes with new gifts. Mm. So yeah, um, I guess what what's being asked is so whenever you your abilities turn on, sometimes when you can see other people, you feel more vulnerable too. Like, can they see me, or do they know that I'm aware? Do they know that I'm awake? I would say that it really depends on the person if they know if you're awake or not. Um, right. A lot of people just think that interaction is um, that they have points of relatability versus this is an awakening experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, there's another person that has an itchy head and buzzy head. <laughs> oh, the buzzy head. I relate to that one, too. Um, I've had a buzzy head. 
Oh, I had something and I lost it. Sorry. Go ahead. Phoenix, do you have anything to contribute that you would like to talk about or, or the other Christine? I, I'm enjoying listening. Um, I'm getting a lot out of what y'all are talking about and relating, honestly, to so much of it. It's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. Um, yeah. And I, I, maybe like the questioner on the other, on the other app, uh, I don't know if it's the same thing I'm thinking of, but I do wonder when like, and maybe it is sort of a vulnerability, but I kind of like look at people, if I'm having an interaction with a stranger and it's more like, I'm wondering if they're like something about them is telling me that they're awake too. And then I think I kind of feel vulnerable because of that a little bit. But then if I talk to them long enough that I, I feel good about it and I can feel like how good their energy is. But yeah, I, in just sort of everyday life, it, it's like, it's like, Oh man, can they read my thoughts? Like those, you know, <laughs> are they picking up my stuff? It, so it's like that sort of thing. Yeah, I've run into that, too, and I've had friends that say, yeah, I know what everybody's thinking, and I'm like, well, what am I thinking? <laughs> um, that is not quite what you said, but it reminded me of that. Okay, let's see. I have a couple of more questions here. Uh, let's see. So, apparently, people are waking up really fast right now which is one of the reasons that we have started doing this weekly um, meeting is because people are waking up and not everybody understands what's happening to them. When you begin spiritually awakening and you begin recognizing your gifts, a lot of times you'll feel very vulnerable and sometimes out of control. And the interesting part is if anyone ever truly sees you, I've had this happen to me one time Christine's had it happen to her and she described the experience to me where, and she said she broke down and I'm like, why would you break down? And why would it be such a big deal if someone saw who you truly are? But when it happened to me, the same thing happened. I broke down. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a, it was an amazing and horrible experience at the same time. Horrible because I've never been so raw and vulnerable in my life, but it was amazing because I've never been so raw and vulnerable in my life. <laughs> right, right. I'm, I'm gonna expand. I'm gonna expand on that a little bit so people can understand it. We spend our lives living facades and using belief systems to um, represent who we are. It's, it's a way we communicate. Um, for instance, if we use an idiom. We assume everybody knows what we're talking about, but they they have to have a recognition of that idiom, which is like, um, holy smokes. I can say holy smokes in, in the South, and they'll get it. If I go to the, the West, they're, they're like, what? What do you mean holy smokes? <laughs> you know? So it's just, we spend our lives in this, this version of communication that's not... 100% true to who we are because it has to be something other people can recognize. And when you're in a state of awakening and you're connecting to people and you're seen, it's it's like, thank God it's finally here because we've been waiting our whole lives to have that connection back and to experience it here. And it's part of bringing heaven to earth is to be seen and understood without having to 
put on something to project who we are. And and again, it's really scary because, oops, I've been projecting stuff that's not 100% me so that I can make a point to others, and now I can't do that anymore. Some of my safeguards, like when I'm in a bad mood and I put on a smile and I don't really mean it, oops, somebody's going to know that now, and I can't fake this anymore. So that's why it's both really good because I want to be seen. That's what the, the whole part of my communication. But at the same moment, on a bad day, it's scary to be seen. Yeah, and at the same time, when someone sees you and you see you see yourself ah, in a yes. biased position and you see how amazing you are, that also makes you break down because you're like, I had no clue. I Look at how horribly I've been treating myself all of these years. I had no clue that I was so beautiful and so powerful and so magnificent just for the being that you are. Mm-hmm. And that's overwhelming. And it's hard to believe and you don't want to believe it in a way. Because if you believe it, then that means that everything you've lived has been a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Christine? Yeah. Hi. Um, so, uh, it's hard to put into words. Um, so, yeah, I kind of put myself on the throat. I was married and I adopted two kids with my ex and... Um, I could see that life was very stagnant, and I think a lot of adults, I both want to talk about what I went through, but I also kind of want to see if you see anywhere to give me advice, because um, I both put, I purposely put myself on this road to change and grow and expand myself when I was 45. Um, my coworker, who is actually very spiritually gifted, and actually I should tell her about this group because I think she'd enjoy you. Um, she she said one day I just came into work and I shift I had changed and it was because I kind of had an epiphany one day and I'm amazed to use that word about myself but um <laughs> I did I looked at my life and I thought boy I'm really miserable and if I don't change it's not going to be good it's not going to be good for my kids it's not going to be good for me it's not good for anyone so I just decided that day that I was going to change and so I went to work and from that day forward I told myself no matter what I have to do one or two things a day to make myself better than I was yesterday and um that was when I was 45 I'm 54 now and I I finally you know after years got into grad school um I had weight loss surgery my husband left me and it was a gift because I'm so much happier now at the same time I'm miserable (laughs) and um so I spend a lot of time, like I said, singing you and trying to find that center and that balance. And I got into a two and a half year grad school program and had to slow down uh, two times. This is the third time um, because this winter I was, I mean, I finally got through all my classwork. I had breast cancer. I went through all these different things and I went sledding with my kids on, in February and broke my back. And I'm in field work, and I had to stop and just drop right out of it because, you know, you can't do much when you break your back. (laughs) And I'm fine. I'm almost better. I think I'm going to go back in a couple weeks, although I'm very nervous about it. And, um, yeah, just being able to listen to that inner voice and, and sort of develop your own path. So many people seem to, I think, as adults say, okay, this is just who I am as an adult. And they sort of just follow that path. And I just really wanted to change and have a happier path. 
and I think I've gotten there in many ways, but in other ways, I'm I'm now stuck out in this world with a completely new path and not sure what direction I'm going, if that makes any sense. <laughs> so, yes, thank you for sharing. Sure. What you were talking about, um, uh, I created a video about that very thing where you reach a point in your life where you absolutely cannot continue on this path because... The thing is, is we are either contributing at every moment, we're either contributing to our life or we are contributing to our death. And some people like me, how I was, and I think it's a lot of people, we have tried so hard to live our lives for other people and to fit in and to fit in, to live according to how society says we should be, that we have stuffed our magnificent, magnificent souls and spirits away for so long that they finally speak up and they're like, if you continue doing this, you will kill yourself, literally. And you get so unhappy that you look around and you're like, I would rather, at this point, I cannot continue the way that I'm going. I must change. And if I have to risk everything to change in this moment to get off of the path that I'm on, then I'm willing to do it. It sounds kind of like you reached a point kind of like that. Very much, very much. And I think Phoenix might have, go ahead, Phoenix, because I think you relate to this a little bit. Okay, yeah, thanks. Um, I kind of forgot what I was going to say, but it's, uh, yeah, Christine, um, I don't know my life has completely changed in the last seven months i'm in a different state i don't do certain things anymore um i'm not working in the same way that i was because uh, i was doing out you know labor jobs outside construction type stuff um uh my life i don't go anywhere i mean but but with that slowness, and I, Christine, the other one, you mentioned that that slowness or slowing down. I'm I'm at the point of no return, and I've been in this space for the last few months. Basically, seven months ago, I made a decision that I wanted to create a better a better life for myself, and I also had the intuition that I knew I needed to start doing it because some stuff was going to start happening, and I needed to not be putting chemicals in my body so that I could uh, be back in touch with things and and, and be, be around and be awake for the changes that were coming. I don't know what that means. I also don't feel like I know the direction that my life is going right now. So I'm very focused on the present moment, you know, each day. And in fact, I think it was you, Christine, that asked me, you know, what do I see happening after the pandemic? And my answer was, I don't know. I don't really see what's happening next week. Like, so I, I'm, I feel kind of lost. I'm not miserable and I'm not afraid, but I've definitely reached that point of no return and I'm, I'm not going back. So yeah, that's, that's, I think that's basically what I wanted to share about that. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, now I'm off mute. Thank you so much for sharing, Phoenix. I really appreciate it. Um, I got another question here that says, how do you know when you are awake? Would anyone like to take an answer or get their 
their opinion on this question. How do you know when you're awake or when you're beginning your awakening process? I think the awakening happens many, many, many times before you reach, like Phoenix said, that point of no return where you decide, okay, now I'm going to stay awake and I'm going to live in the moment. Because prior to that, you can have an experience. Um, I'll just give an, I'll give you an idea. I had a dream of a family member dying and I had a connection to it. And um, I saw a vision of it. I was there standing in their body when it happened. And then I woke up and I thought, okay, I got to lock this in, that this was something real. Now, that in that moment, I knew it was real, 100%, no doubt that it was real. And then in the morning, um, I got a call that my grandfather had passed. Now, this impacted me very deeply, but then it turned around and it was over. And it was like it never happened. But it came up again later in my life, the memory that this happened. And, and multiple times it would keep coming up. And I, it would, I would get closer and closer to being able to hold on to it and remember it. And I have several stories just like that where something huge happens and it's really obvious it's real. But then 30 minutes later, it starts to slip away and I can't feel it anymore. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, what was that? I must have made that up. Or I forget it completely until somebody else brings up, hey, you remember when you told me about this? And I'm like, oh my God, I don't even remember. I haven't thought about that since it happened. And that's what well, we call that the veil, where the veil comes in and it closes your reality to, it keeps you in place of your beliefs. When you're willing to let go of the beliefs and how you control yourself with your beliefs, that's your true awakening, in my opinion. Because you'll have these moments where the truth breaks through, but your beliefs will come in and just say, nope, we're not looking at that. We can't have that. It doesn't match up with what we've been told. We're going to have to set that aside. And that's how the brain keeps reorganizing your reality. But eventually, it's happened often enough, or you're at a point like with the other Christine where, you know, death is approaching. You're going to die. I mean, breast cancer can absolutely be fatal. And I would think that if you hadn't made the changes and started changing by the time you had to recover from that, it might not have been possible. I mean, I had the same thing with my heart attack. If my grandfather's death hadn't impacted me by the time I had my own death, I probably wouldn't have made it. I, I would have stayed on the other side. And, and so it's part of the awakening is getting us ready for that moment, that greater moment when we say, okay, that's it, no more. And, and that's my opinion. Wow, thank you for sharing. Yeah, so... I would, that brings up a couple of points. Whenever you're going through your spiritual awakening, and what the spiritual awakening in essence is, is dropping all of your false identity and attuning into the truth of who you are. And the reason that your psychic abilities come online whenever you become spiritually awakened is because that's who you naturally are. And when we have denied that part of ourselves for so long, when they come, when they do begin to come back online, we're often trapped in more of a negative cycle. And whatever your frequency is and where your thought processes and habits are of thinking, you're going to attract those kinds of experiences into your life. So awakening spiritually can be very difficult, especially in the beginning of it. It can be very lonely. 
you can start seeing dark shadows in your room and um, feeling psychically attacked because of the current frequency you are holding. But that's only because of the thoughts that are in your head uh, that you have been trained to keep there, which is usually stress and fear. But the most important thing I would say as you're awakening spiritually is to raise your vibration as fast as possible. Get into the vibration of love and gratitude. Let go of the past. That's a story and it's only a story. It's not anything that you have to commit yourself to in this moment at this time. And it does not have to be how you live the rest of your life. So it takes a lot of courage to be on this path of spiritual awakening. So everyone here, if you read Harry Potter, we're all Gryffindors, even though you may want to belong to a different house, you're also on Gryffindor because that's the the house of bravery and courage. (laughs) (laughs) That's well said. That is so well said. Thanks, Laura. You're welcome. Thank you. I love Harry Potter. Love it. Love it. Um, and then someone says that, uh, they see it's a choice for many years. I chose to go back to sleep and that's totally true. Many people do, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, so that's the other thing we've also been taught for so many years to judge ourselves harshly and it comes, it, it becomes a point where we actually are so harsh on ourselves and we're so well-trained that we punish ourselves. No one even needs to be there to punish us anymore because we are judge, jury, and prosecutor, and and the jail all at the same time. And these are the this is the prison, and this is the this is what we fall prey to whenever we ignore, whenever we don't tune in and slow down, as Christine said in the beginning. Slow down, learn who you are again, and and discover who you are again. What brings you joy? Um, Let's take away money. Let's take away influence. Let's take away friendships. Let's take away everything and look at yourself and what truly brings you joy. What What are you passionate about? When you are a kid, you can often see this more when you're a kid because we don't have the same, um, a lot of us don't have the exact same drive toward a goal, you know? If the world were a perfect place, what would you be doing? Yeah, I wanted to to chime in on that one. Um, I may not know what I'm doing, (laughs) like, you know, next week or or whatever, but I have all of my joy back. I am back. I'm a very joyful person when I'm not asleep and when I'm not putting alcohol in my body and and I'm, it's like I'm a little kid all the time. I'm in awe of everything. And it is like this, the simplest things. And, and, and I, to me, the simple things are the things. And I just sort of walk around in this, like, experience of gratitude and joy, like, almost all the time. And, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not going to give that up to try to fit in or you know, occasionally I buy into someone else's beliefs and, and I can feel my energy sort of constrict back down and I can feel that shift. And so I just kind of 
get away and, and, and get back into my own, my own joy. And I'm just like, so grateful for that. And grateful for like everything, honestly, my whole entire journey, even though I chose to go to sleep for like 15 years, um, for some reason I chose that. I think it was to put me sort of, I, I don't know that it was necessary to put myself in the trenches so that I could help other people, but that's what I did. So, yeah. Nice. Really well said. And I think that really, um, we're coming up to the, uh, the, I, an hour and a half now, Laura, if you want to go ahead and end this. So I'm, I have a closing idea is just to, to really be aware that joy, you know how you said you were in that joy and you're in this moment and that's the awakened state is everything is amazing and nothing's a problem and, and all of reality supports you no matter what it looks like because you're not using the past to predict what it means to you. You're just in awe of, oh, this is here and this is here and, oh, look, this is here too and I wonder what's going to happen now that all these three pieces are together. And that, again, I believe is the actual staying awake. Thank you. Well said. Well, well said. I think this was a really amazing talk today. We've got a lot of really good information. Um, is there anything anyone else wants to say before we close it up? Oh, I'd like to say one quick thing. Um, just um, the things that came out to me were to let go of fear because fear holds us back and just sort of, I always tell that are dating us trust your instinct because <laughs> every time I didn't it was a mistake and um learn to listen to that inner voice and uh, there was one other thing but I think that's good so I'll stop there thank you so much oh excellent advice I agree with all that you said absolutely thanks everyone for coming we really appreciate having your sharing all your stories and I look forward to having another conversation with you next week. Awesome. Thank awesome. you, everybody. This was amazing. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Everything is awesome. Everything is great when you're part of a team.